today on CityCast Salt Lake. I'm very excited to share with you what I personally believe to be one of Salt Lake's hidden gems. On the fourth floor of the downtown public library is an early edition of John James Audubon's Birds of America. The famous life-size bird paintings are in a glass case, and once a month, librarian Cherry Willis painstakingly turns the page to reveal a different bird. Today is Wednesday, July 13th, 2022. I'm Ali Vallarta, and this is CityCast Salt Lake. What are we looking at? Okay, we are looking at a bien edition of John James Audubon's The Birds of America with a really gruesome page. Yes, which kind of was a hallmark for Audubon. And to start from the very top, from the very beginning, yeah, Audubon revolutionized how nature drawing was done because you can see, especially this is a great page for that, Yeah, because of the action, putting nature in context and really trying to place the birds in their environment. And of course, the book is so large because all of the birds are life-size. Yes, that's my favorite part. (laughs) Yes. I was up here on the fourth floor for a meeting, killing some time, and there was a librarian, and it may have been you, (laughs) with gloves on, and this glass case was open, and she was sort of fussing with this book. And I came over and said, what are you doing? And she said, well, I'm turning the page. And I was like, turning the page of what? And so that's how I learned this book is here. And it's enormous. It's probably how big? The book itself is 26 by 40. Yeah. I mean, it's like at least three feet. Yeah, it is. More than my arm's length. Yes. In height. It is. It's not what some people always think. They think, oh, it's an original Audubon. Hmm. It is original to the United States and has its own little storied past as well. Okay. And with Audubon, who has... Uh, fallen from grace in the Audubon Society, as mm. more information has come out about his his life. And I have to just caveat this all with, he was a man of his times. Mm-hmm. And he was an extraordinary man of his times. And his life story alone is amazing. Yeah. He was born in Haiti in 1785. His father was a captain and a property owner, and his mother was a chambermaid. Mm-hmm. Which probably means, without a without much doubt, that his mother would have been of mixed race as well. Okay. So Audubon himself probably had a lot of uh, Haitian Creole in him. Mm-hmm. The real hero, seriously, for me in all of this story is the wife of Mr. Audubon. Okay. Because Audubon's father sends his young son as a toddler to France. And Mrs. Audubon raises him as her own. Mm. And he gets the finest education. He's good at fencing. Mm-hmm. He's, you know, totally apart and immersed in that society. And then when he turns around 18, in order to prevent his son from being conscripted into Napoleon's army, mm-hmm. his father sends him to America where they'd have vast holdings of land in Pennsylvania. And so Audubon comes here and he's an 18-year-old kid. He's not the world's greatest property manager. Yeah. And his greatest love, though, two things, actually, birds and painting. <laughs> and so he has a very now now storied history of his life, living in America, making his future as he continues to draw birds and has all kinds of 
uh, economic ups and downs. He mm-hmm. has a lot of enterprises. He owns stores. He does indeed traffic in human beings. He is a slaveholder mm-hmm. and a slave seller. Mm-hmm. And coming from, you know, a slave background, probably himself, mm-hmm. that was just part of the world in which he lived. And he decided that he would want to paint all the birds of America. And he's also incredibly shrewd. Yeah. Because he realized if I really want to make a deal with this, I need to go someplace where people really are going to want to buy these things. And that's England. And even though we had just beat them in two wars, England was fascinated with America. Yeah. And Audubon banks on that. Okay. He dresses in buckskins. Oh, wow. He looks the part. He keeps his hair long. And he gets to England and he finally finds a publisher who will take his drawings. Mm-hmm. And it's going to be this whole process. They're not done as one big book. Mm-hmm. They're sold as subscriptions. So you would get a stack periodically. You would have your own crystal book binder who would oh. bind your books in your livery. You would get these massive big sheets of the Audubon pages that you would subscribe to, and you would have them bound. And would they be this big, like yeah. three feet by probably? Yeah, they would. Yeah, work. this is called a double elephant folio. That's the size of the paper. I'm okay. the name of that double elephant folio. Yeah, that's fun. And that's the size that Audubon insisted on because he wanted all the birds life size. Right. And his etchings were put onto copper plates. And with Havel, who was the first publisher, mm-hmm. then they had a group of about 50 watercolorists who then used Audubon's original watercolor mm-hmm. to then copy mm. onto the paper using what had been uh, printed from those copper plates. Okay. And he had to keep coming back to America, get more birds. and Right. And it was a huge process over a couple decades. How does John James Audubon know every bird in America? Because he's not a biologist. No, he's not. But he does He does have a lot of connections with the ornithology world. He has a lot of reference work. Okay. And he's really hoping that he's catching all of the birds of America. And yeah. he really works at it. And people think Audubon, oh, great conservationist. Mm-hmm. Because the society came much after his death. Right. Actually, he shot them. Oh, I mean, he loved to draw them in nature, but what he would do is he would shoot them and then bring them to his studio where he had a great big grid system so he could pose the birds. <gasps> and then he got this great movement. Oh, wow. Because that is grizzly. It is grizzly. Yeah. He also was a great taxidermist. Okay. And so, you know, it was all part and parcel of, you know, really life in the wilderness of America. Yeah. He had a huge following. Huh. And people were so excited for the next edition to come out Wow! in these beautiful bound books. So how long did this go on? How long did it take for him to release the full... About 20 years. Oh, that's quicker than I would yeah, expect. It's about 20 years. And then he finally dies. Hmm. And um, his family has gone through the fortune here in America. He's married, has family. Mm-hmm. And his son, John Woodman Audubon... Mm-hmm decides, oh, wait a minute, we should do the Birds of America in America. And so he decides that they will do the same thing, sell by subscription. Okay. But he's also a really smart young man, too. And he says, wow, you know, there's this new technology called chromolithography. Mm. And it was just getting started. Mm -hmm. And the best skilled chromolithographer was also one of the world's greatest cartographers. And that was a man named Julius Vieth. He worked with Audubon to create another Birds of America with the process of chromolithography. Mm-hmm. They used the same copper plates and then up to six 
stones of ink were mixed together and then laid on it. And I'm not sure if you can see sometimes. Yeah. You get a little like fuzziness here. Yeah. Where the registration is a little off mm -hmm. because you've got anywhere between four to six stones. And then there's also hand coloring and hand touching. Whenever posture comes up in conversation, we all do that thing where we immediately sit upright and pull our shoulders back. Did you do it just now? I did a movement session with Chandler at Embodied Patients, and after a few gentle corrections, I was surprised to find sitting up straight is incredibly easy. Chandler's practice combines over a decade of study in yoga, Pilates, and the Alexander Technique. So why should you invest in your posture? Let's start with the link between better posture and better breathing. Whether you're returning to activity from an injury, looking to manage pain, or just have the sense things could be a little easier, Chandler will teach you to create sustainable movement habits so that you can enjoy the things you love for longer. Maybe that's running marathons, maybe it's walking the dog. Visit embodiedpatients.com to book a session with Chandler and give yourself the gift of your own attention. So this book that we're looking at right now in the Salt Lake Library, mm -hmm. this is a Bien edition. Right. There's more striations in the Bien edition. You know, it's just, yeah, because they're, they're done by stone pressing. They're stone. Okay. But you can see in every corner, you'll know it's authentic because it says Chromolith by J. Bien, New York, 1860. 1860. And it's drawn from Nature by J.J. J. Audubon. So is this an original Bien yes. edition? Yes, and that kind of gets into our next part of the story is how did we get it? Yes, that's really what I'm dying to know. This, as you can see, was published in 1860. They only got one volume done. Oh. They started selling the subscriptions. It did not sell as well as, oh. as, as young Audubon wanted it to sell. Hmm. And then part of the reason, too, is that the country was in a real trauma. And economic downturn as well, mm -hmm. because we are just, you know, a breath away here from the Civil War. Right. Which then cut off all people in the South. Right. From buying this as well. Right. Yeah. And so most estimates are that they may have put together maybe somewhere around 100 sets of the Peritz. The few that have been bound, because mm -hmm. it used to be like a tiny handful and has grown to a couple dozen now. Mm -hmm. We are one of them. And we bought ours from a son of Brigham Young. Okay. I have no idea how to say it. Okay. It's all Felines? Sure. And he was, I'm kind of thinking somewhere back east is where he, he came across it. Mm -hmm. And so that would have been in the late 1800s. He becomes one of our board members of the brand new Salt Lake City Free Public Library. And he offers to sell his Birds of America to the city library. For $230, <laughs> which caused a little bit of a stir because it's yeah. like, that's a lot of money for a book and we're just this young library. Right. At that point, we were still over the city and county building as our library. Oh, yeah. And it just, I think, shows the amazing foresight of that organization <laughs> to say, yeah, no, it's worth it. <laughs> $230. So we had it bound and we have had it ever since. And it looks so filthy. It. Yeah. Well, because for 50 years, we had it on an easel. Oh, and everyone got to turn the pages. Oh, and when you look in the newspapers from, you know, 1900 up to the 50s, they have people laying on it and turning the pages and 
being very excited because yeah. it was the treasure of the city library. Yeah. And it was just falling apart. And you can kind of see how they've done this kind of weird conservation where they kind of back some of the pages with some linen fabric. And they took it out of the public view for almost two decades. Yeah. And then there was this wonderful group of the Executive Secretaries Organization that wanted a good uh, civic project to do. Mm. And they thought, we need to get a case for the big Audubon book. Mm -hmm. The secret to the case is the lid weighs 100 pounds. Because this is an enormous case. It is. It's probably five feet by four feet. Easily. Easily. Yeah. It's got to weigh a ton. It's mounted on wood. Yep. And it's glass, mm-hmm. and it is bolted and locked. Yep. Um, tell me about this glass. Oh, I just, you know, the, the lid is so thick, it does weigh 100 pounds. The book weighs 60. So when we turn it, we get two guys to lift it up so it doesn't torque. Mm-hmm. And now we get two people to turn that page carefully. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's a production, and it's a lot of fun to watch. Yeah. So when the library decided to purchase this book mm-hmm. from board member Brigham Young's son, yeah. The Turn of the Century, what was the public reaction about the library spending that? You know, in the papers, it's like, like, oh, should we be doing this? That's a lot of money. Yeah. And after that, it was like, of course. Yeah. Okay. Like, well, of course we bought that. Well, why wouldn't we have it? Right. And it's been, it's been an amazing journey ever since then. Um, we have had it authenticated painstakingly. It's all entirely complete. Hmm. Yeah. What day of the month does that take place? The turning of the page. Generally, we've tried to do it after our staff meeting. Okay. But, you know, again, COVID has just messed things up. Yeah. Because it doesn't happen as often as we wanted to. In fact, for two years, it was the same page of the ducks. <gasps> How dare you? I know. Right? It was awful. <laughs> it was awful. <laughs> but uh, so if someone wanted to come and witness the turning of the page. Generally, it would be around the first Wednesday of the month, generally around six-ish. Okay. I'll be here. <laughs> Hopefully that'll happen again. It's more of a regular thing. Yeah. We would love to make it a regular thing. Yeah. Have people be able to join. And what we're doing now is we're actually going from the back to the front. Okay. Now, the book itself, it's 105 pages, 150 images of the birds. Okay. Because with the BN edition, smaller birds, they actually have two on a page. Which is one that we're looking at right now. They're like two different birds entirely. Oh, two. these are the same bird. Yeah. yeah. Oh, Yeah, they're hey. both. They're just in a fight. They're in a fight. These are red-tailed hawks. I was going to ask. So we're looking at this page. It's, it's got two red-tailed hawks. They're in a fight. One of them's got a bloody talon, which is the red is incredibly vibrant. And they're fighting over a bunny. Technically, because of the way this is printed, which was the intention of John James Audubon, these hawks are absolutely life size. Mm -hmm. Yep. That's amazing. When I was here for a turning of the page once, Mm -hmm. I convinced the librarian to turn it to the flamingo. And she agreed. And that was when I really fell in love with this book because the flamingo is also life-size. And so the way that it's drawn is its neck is curled inward so that if you were to fully unfurl the drawing, it would be a life-size flamingo. But technically it fits on the page. It does. Isn't that cool? Like the coolest thing in the whole city. It is. It's it's just absolutely fabulous. Yeah. Who takes care of the book now? Like, what does is, what is care for the book look like? Or is it just safe in this case? And it safe in the case. It's safe in the case. We try to, you know, we're very careful when we turn the page. Mm-hmm. 
And what we do now, and it's kind of like the, the newer concepts really in handling things like this, is everybody washes their hands really well. Oh, well, we're doing that anyways. So. Exactly. I mean, it's true. It's very easy <laughs> because we don't have really super well-fitting gloves. Yeah. And the gloves can actually do more damage if you're not really, really careful. Interesting. And so you know, really, really clean hands. And I mean, honestly, look at this book. Yeah. It has DNA from who knows how many wonderful people in Salt Lake City. Yeah, that is amazing. I didn't think about it that way. But the fact that it was on display and touched by so many, it's literally got community DNA in it. It's a treasure that people connect with. Yeah. And that we have we have had for, you know, what, 117 years now. And, yeah. And I'm so proud to have it. Mm. Why do you love this book so much? I think because of the joy it gives people. Yeah. Uh, I think just the whole study and putting together of where Audubon came from. He is flawed, like mm -hmm. all of us. Yeah. Um, but he has this vision. And because of it, you know, the whole study of nature drawing really took off. Yeah. In a whole different way. It, the book just gives people so much joy. Mm. And I just, I just love seeing, you know, in the backgrounds of movies and television, Oh, look, there's an Audubon print. I know that bird. Yeah. You know, it, it just brings you that connection. Yeah. That that belongs to us. This is an American work. Yeah. You know, these are our creatures. Mm -hmm. This is who we are. We're, we're rough. Mm -hmm. We're gruesome. Mm -hmm. We're gorgeous. It's, it's who we are. Yeah. And I'm surprised by how many people don't know that it's here. It's true. So it also feels like it's really hidden in plain sight. Yeah. Because <laughs> once you find it, you're like, yeah, this thing is four feet across <laughs> in the middle of the library in a giant glass case. And because this was the American edition with the chromolithography that puts it into that family of original Audubons. Mm. But there's so few of them that it makes it the most rare. Wow. Terry, thank you so much. Thank you, everyone, so much. You can find Birds of America on the fourth floor of the Salt Lake City Public Library and perhaps one day soon, the return of Flamingo Fest. One more thing before we go. Salt Lake City has launched a pretty cool little grant program called Love Your Block. The program offers funding between $250 and $2,500 for small projects related to the Jordan River that will either beautify the space, improve safety, or build community in the process. If you're awarded a grant, you'll be notified by early August. Here are a few project ideas. First, the classic neighborhood trash cleanup, bonus points for removing invasive weeds. You could install a mural, some lighting, or some drought-resistant plants. Maybe you want to create some sort of informative signage about native species to the river. Hello, beavers. Or you could swing a bit bigger and repurpose a vacant or underutilized lot into an active community space. You have until this Friday, July 15th, to submit a short application. If you were the same kind of student as me, you know that means you can submit at 11.59 p.m. on Friday. I put a link to the application in the show notes. That's our show today here on CityCast Salt Lake. Thank you for listening. And thank you to the great people at the Salt Lake City Library. We'll be back tomorrow morning with more news from around this city. Bye. Bye.